What is up team? Welcome back to the show. Today we are talking about the six keys to building muscle for women. This is a very important topic. Really most of the clients on our roster are women that are in their late 20s to early 40s who have realized that the physique they want requires not just more dieting but also actually spending some time focusing on adding lean muscle tissue to their frame. So the thing is like more and more we're seeing um, specifically women seem to be a little bit confused about, Hey, what does it need to look like in order for me to build muscle? There's so much marketing around like, um, and we'll get a little bit deeper into this in the episode, but there's so much marketing around like, Hey, you as a woman need to train specifically this way. It needs to be focused on like orange theory or F45 type training where you're just burning a ton of calories. And like, that's the secret when really that's very misleading for most people. And that's why so many people are still stuck in this place where like, Hey, I've been trying for years, but I still haven't achieved the physique I want. Okay. So anyways, without any further ado, let's just get in the episode. All right. So again, the most common problem most women run into when they want a physique that's lean, strong, and has plenty of muscle definition is they simply don't have enough muscle. Now, again, you've probably spent a lot of time dieting over your lifetime, but you've realized that just dieting isn't enough because it doesn't matter how much body fat you shed while dieting. If you don't have the prerequisite amount of muscle needed, you still won't look the way you want. But most women have been very misled when it comes to how to train and eat to build lean muscle, which leaves you stuck spinning your wheels. So again, today's episode is here to help you create the exact path you need to add least lean muscle to your frame and finally achieve your goal physique. So let's get into these six keys. Key number one is train in a manner that's conducive to muscle growth. Now again, most training programs targeted towards women are geared towards quote unquote feeling the burn or really getting your sweat on. Again, think Orange Theory or F45. Now the problem is training like this is not conducive to muscle growth. See, building muscle isn't about how many calories you burn in a workout, how much you feel the burn, or how sweaty a training session makes you. It's about applying adequate tension to the muscles that you're trying to grow. So the requirements for muscle growth within a training session are one, the muscle needs to experience time under significant tension. Now this often means that you'll need to use heavier loads than you have in the past. So doing a set of bodyweight jump squats during an orange theory class might burn, but none of your muscles are actually under significant tension during the set. So while the set of jump squats might have felt hard, it actually does very little as far as stimulating growth in the muscles of your lower body. Number two, most sets need to be taken within three reps or less of form failure. So there's a concept called effective reps that is crucial to understand if you want to build muscle. Basically, the closer a set gets to failure, the more muscle fibers within the muscles you're training are recruited and fatigued. When you reach failure, the muscle fibers within the target muscles you're training are very close to being fully fatigued. So the recruitment and fatiguing of these muscle fibers sends your body the signal that it was not prepared to handle a stressful event like this. Your body does its best to build new muscle in the areas trained and fatigued so that it can be, so that it can be better prepared to handle taxing sets like this in the future. That's the process, process of adaptation. Our body experiences stress. It realizes, oh shit, I wasn't ready for that stress. That really sucked. I don't want to have to go through that again, so I'm going to get stronger. Very similar to like when we run a mile the first time, at least if you're me, it is absolutely brutal. It gets a little bit easier every time as our body adapts to that stimulus. Now, the thing is, it's thought that only the last few reps short of failure, so really like the final three reps shy of failure are extremely effective for sending a strong enough signal to your body to stimulate new muscle growth. These are the quote unquote effective reps of a set. 
So let's say you're doing a high rep set of bodyweight squats. Now most of us could do 40 to 50 reps of bodyweight squats and really feel the burn, but none of the muscle fibers in our lower body would actually be that close to true failure. Again, if it was like, hey, I really wanna target my quads, so I'm gonna do bodyweight squats to grow my quads. A single set to actually achieve truly effective reps, like most of us could probably do 80 to 90 bodyweight squats, which sounds like my hell. Um, it would just be absolutely brutal. And again, this is the problem, and that's for one set, right? Whereas you could, let's say, hop in a hack squat machine, load that with a challenging load, and with three sets of eight to 12 taken to two reps in reserve, you could get, or like a single set of eight to 12 with a more challenging load taken to two RIR, two reps in reserve, um, two reps left in the tank with good form, Again, you can get that same benefit in a fraction of the time. And honestly, I don't want to say a fraction of the effort, but it wouldn't be nearly as sucky. Um, and again, this is the problem with hit circuits, orange theory, etc. You feel the burn, but these workouts are very short on effective reps. So if you're spending a lot of time working out, but get very so you're spending a lot of time working out, but you get very little benefit as far as actually stimulating new muscle growth. So the solution here is really just lifting challenging weights. So from my experience coaching, this often means pushing to lift much heavier weights than you have in the past, while of course also making sure that you're maintaining good form. If you're training lots of variations of squat, hinge, lunge, row, pull down, press, and getting close to failure in the five to 20 rep range like our online clients do, it's inevitable that you'll stimulate muscle growth, again, as long as you're doing those with good form. Number three, keep a logbook because that's also very important to make sure you're progressing. We have all of our clients keep detailed notes on weights lifted for every set, rep performed, and how the exercise felt. So for example, pump achieved, post-movement disruption, etc. And pump and disruption, are it varies on the client whether we'll have you track that or not. For some people, that's just overwhelming and not necessary data. For others, it is very much necessary. Now, as a client, this allows you to look back on your performance. This logbook allows you to look back on your performance from the previous week and set the bar that you should be attempting to beat this week. So for example, if you squatted 165 for eight reps on your first set of squats last week, you're pushing for 165 for nine reps on your first set this week. This ensures that you're continuing to push yourself in your training and achieve effective reps as you get stronger. Again, taking it back to that concept of running a mile, we get to the point where, okay, running a mile no longer gives, gives me the same stimulus that I need to continue to adapt. So I need to run a little bit further, I need to do a little bit more. Same thing goes here, but fortunately we can just like add a rep or add a little bit of load to get a different stimulus or an increased stimulus. Um, as your coach, looking over your logbook is how we adjust your programming week to week. Your notes here are what tell us how your body is progressing and whether we need to do things like add or decrease the number of sets you're doing on any given movement. Um, decrease or increase how, how close you're taking sets to failure or even change movements. Now, looking over your logbook in depth like this isn't something most coaches do, but it's a big part of what we do differently and why our online clients get better results. This is one of the best ways for us to truly see how well you're progressing and tailor your program on a weekly basis to ensure you're achieving the best possible results. Number four, finally, you need to actually be following a structured training program. A huge reason new online clients immediately see better results when they start coaching is simply because they have so much more structure than ever before with their training and nutrition. If you're just going to the gym four to five days a week and doing random things you're hoping are effective, you're never going to see the results because A, the movements you're doing might actually be a poor fit for hypertrophy or muscle growth. Again, this is why we have most clients rate pump and disruption for each movement. You are an individual. Your biomechanics, injury history, and goals are unique to you. 
this means that movements that seem to work great for that girl you follow on Instagram might actually be a very poor fit for you and your goals. B, if you're constantly doing different exercises, you'll never stimulate a lot of muscle growth. Now, usually the first few weeks of doing a new movement will actually yield very little muscle growth. You'll see yourself get much stronger at the movement the first few weeks, but this isn't because your body is adding muscle quickly, it's because your body is getting better at the skill of the movement. So the first few weeks of a movement, you don't often fail towards the end of the set because you fully fatigue the associated muscle fibers, but rather because your body is still very unskilled and or uncoordinated at the movement. So the quick progress you're seeing the first few weeks is simply your body mastering the skill of the movement and becoming more coordinated. After these first few weeks, as you get the skill of movement mastered, you're much better at recruiting and fatiguing the associated muscle fibers. So after this is when you're really able to start stimulating new muscle growth. You need to be consistently following a structured program designed to push you to progress the same movements for multiple weeks in order to actually build muscle. Two, so to make this a little bit more tangible, let's say it's your first time doing a barbell back squat. The first time doing that is kind of just like a, what the hell is going on here? Like I feel super uncoordinated, I feel stable, this bar feels weird on my back, this hurts my traps. All this shit is going on. You're not feeling like, oh wow, the fatigue in my quads is just so high, I can't keep this going. After a couple weeks, we get to the point where, okay, I'm much more skilled at the movement. Now I am really feeling like, wow, there is just so much tension in my quads. Eventually, that's the thing that's the rate limiter. But the first couple weeks, it is not. Next, key number two, focus on execution. So the best training program on paper won't yield muscle growth if you're not executing the prescribed movement in the manner intended. So for example, let's say I prescribe you a glute emphasis rear foot elevated split squat. Now you see rear foot elevated split squat in your program and do it like you always have, torso upright, you're driving their front knee forward and dropping your back knee to the floor. Now, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a rear foot elevated split squat, it's a great movement, but this won't fully create the intended effect. Now, we could argue that this is somewhat splitting hairs, but really, we need to understand the basics of execution to get the most out of your program, especially if you're someone, especially if you're a woman where it's, hey, I've always had trouble with my quads growing. I've never been able to build my booty. I want to shift that. I don't, I don't want my quads to keep eating more jack, but I do want to grow my butt. Okay, so this could be the difference between this rear foot elevated split squat is a huge stimulus for your quads, not much for your glutes, or vice versa. So to truly make this a great movement for building your glutes, we need you to initiate the movement by pushing your hips back um, you should achieve a lot of hip flexion as you push your hips back into the movement. So basically your ribcage should be getting closer to your thigh and your back knee probably shouldn't be touching the floor. This is why we give our clients tons of execution cues along with form videos or execution videos. But also this is why we're sticklers about our online clients sending us form videos. You likely haven't been executing your movements in the most optimal manner to stimulate muscle growth in the past. And realize that just doing movements like you've always done them will likely yield more of the same results you've achieved in the past. So better execution of movements within your training is one of the most overlooked keys to seeing better results than you have in the past. And oftentimes it means like with better execution, we can do less volume. We can dial back the number of sets you do and actually see better results. Key number three, the target muscle group is the rate limiter. So some exercises are inherently better for others or better than others, excuse me, for building muscle. So when your goal is building lean muscle, you want the quote unquote rate limiter, AKA the thing that forces you to eventually stop a movement to be the specific muscle group or muscle groups you're targeting. So for example, let's say you're doing heavy farmer's carries, so a dumbbell in each hand to train your core, 
a heavy ass dumbbell in each hand, but she refused to wear wrist straps. Or let's actually, let's say you're doing Romanian deadlifts and you refuse to wear wrist straps. Now, as a result, your grip is always the thing that gives out long before the fatigue in your glutes and hamstrings builds up enough to cause you to stop the movement. Um, thus, this has become a pretty shitty exercise for actually building a stronger set, stronger, more muscular glutes and or hamstrings. But I mean, if the goal is building grip strength, it might be a decent fit. But again, most of us probably don't care as much about our grip strength as much as we do about building glutes and hamstrings. So again, the problem here is like, if it's a situation like this, hey, I'm doing Romanian deadlifts, I refuse to wear wrist straps. So that's the first thing that always gives out is my grip. Okay, we're never getting those effective reps that you need for your glutes and hamstrings. Thus, you're not really getting a lot out of the movement. That's an example of a poor rate limiter. And oftentimes, really, like for the rate limiter conversation, the solution is wear wrist straps or versa grips because grip is one of the most common rate limiters. Some other ones, some other common rate limiters are gonna be unstable exercises. So for example, the classic example of doing squats on a BOSU ball, um, you don't fail the movement because of the fatigue in your quads, you fail due to the lack of stability. Core strength is another good example here. So oftentimes you'll see people doing something like a bird dog row, which is where we have, we're on a bench on our hands and knees. We have one hand and one knee on the bench. We have one leg extended straight out behind us and we're rowing a dumbbell with the other hand. So again, we have one hand, one knee on the bench, one leg sitting behind us rowing the dumbbell with one hand. Now, this might be a decent movement for your core. That's a whole nother conversation. Um, but if your goal was, hey, I'm doing this to grow my back or to build my lats or my rhomboids, it's gonna be a pretty shitty movement. Again, the first, th the problem here is the movement isn't gonna, isn't gonna be stable. Your core isn't gonna be stabilized enough to get to the point where like, okay, this is so easy, I can balance so well that I can truly, again, achieve those effective reps with the musculature of my back. And then finally, cardiovascular fatigue is another common rate limiter. Really, this is the most common example um, when it comes to, or one of the most common examples when it comes to like F45 or more theory. You're using extremely short rest periods bouncing from one movement to the other. But again, the thing that causes you to stop a set isn't getting close to muscular failure in any one muscle group. It is like, I'm just fucking exhausted. Like I'm gassed, I've done so much cardio. And again, while things burn, you're never actually achieving those effective reps. Key number four, you need to be tracking your nutrition. So all of our online clients track their macros. This is because building lean muscle requires more than just training hard and smart. It also requires giving your body enough and the right kind of fuel. Most people track their macros in a fat loss phase and stops doing so when their goal is building muscle, which is a big mistake. So really, I like the concept of imagine your training being like the gas pedal while your nutrition is the fuel in the tank. It doesn't matter how hard you push the pedal, without enough or the right kind of fuel in the tank, you still won't get anywhere. So for most women we coach, this typically means that we need to initially increase the amount of protein and carbs you're eating. No matter, no matter how hard you train, you won't be able to build muscle without adequate protein. If you have no protein, you can't really build muscle because protein is the only macronutrient that has nitrogen, which is essential to building muscle. So again, no matter how many carbs and fats you eat, without adequate nitrogen or protein, your body just basically won't have the raw materials it needs to build muscle. As far as carbs go, when we understand the energy systems, um, the energy system that creates energy so basically the system within your body that creates energy for the majority of intense activity from 15 to 60 seconds is fueled by carbs 
Now, if your goal is to build your leanest, strongest body, a good amount of your training will be fueled by this energy system because most of your work sets within your lifting are going to be somewhere between 15 and 60 seconds. Now, a lower carb approach means that your energy systems will, or this energy system specifically, the anaerobic lactic system, will basically be short on fuel, so your ability to train intensely will suffer. And as a result, you'll struggle achieving the levels of performance needed to add lean muscle for the physique you want. Really, this is a common mistake made by both women and men. And it's exactly why most of our online clients undergoing the physique transformation process are typically following a little bit higher carb approach. Now, not only are carbs your body's preferred fuel source for training, but they also aid your recovery and ability to build more lean muscle. So carbs stimulate the release of the hormone insulin in your body. Now, insulin has an inverse relationship with cortisol, the stress hormone, meaning that as insulin increases, cortisol decreases. Now, cortisol is a catabolic hormone. Its primary role is breaking things down for energy. Now, cortisol isn't bad, like all things is very context dependent. Spending too much time in a catabolic state will hinder your ability to build lean muscle. So due to the insulin and cortisol relationship, adding more carbs to your diet can help get your body out of a catabolic state and recovering better and or quicker. This is why carbs post-workout we're not necessarily as concerned about immediately replenishing our glycogen stores unless you're training again later in the day but carbs post-workout like during a training session cortisol levels are going to be spiked quite a bit carbs post-workout are going to spike insulin bring cortisol levels down and push your body in a better state to recover key number five is eating enough food to support muscle growth so unless you're new to science-based training and nutrition practices like our online clients follow building muscle is much harder when you're underfeeding your body so while you probably noticed a dramatic transformation the first six to 12 months you got into training and nutrition, you've also noticed your physique hasn't changed much, if at all, over the last one to two years. Now this is usually caused by constantly trying to diet and build lean muscle at the same time. But with where you're at in your fitness journey, this is probably no longer feasible for a few reasons. One, eating in a calorie deficit, so eating fewer calories than you burn, seems to reduce your baseline levels of muscle protein synthesis as well as the degree to which your body increases muscle protein synthesis as a response to protein so basically to break this down simply being able to build muscle across any given time frame comes down to something called net protein balance your muscles are essentially built from protein or more specifically the amino acids that you consume within protein now muscle protein synthesis or MPS is the process of your body repairing slash adding to your current muscle protein. After you consume protein, levels of MPS spike for the next two to three hours before returning to baseline. Now the size of the spike depends to an extent on the amount and quality of protein consumed. Resistance training also spikes MPS, but it's not just as simple as eat protein, train, spike MPS, build muscle. Because there's another dare I say more sinister force at work here, which is muscle protein breakdown or MPB. The process of your body breaking down muscle protein is basically again what we call MPB. So your muscle proteins are stuck in a constant battle between MPS and MPB. Sometimes the rate of MPS is greater than MPB, sometimes vice versa. Now to build muscle, you need positive net protein balance, meaning more MPS has incurred than MPB across any given time frame. To lose muscle, you need negative net protein balance, meaning more MPB than MPS has occurred across any given time frame. So understanding this, it'll clearly be much harder for your body to add lean muscle if you're constantly under eating and dieting, 
And that's why eating more food in a building phase will push you as an online client in a much more advantageous position to add some physique transforming, excuse me, lean muscle. Next, your ability to train hard will suffer if you're under eating. So calories are energy. So when you're eating in a calorie deficit for fat loss, you're literally in an energy deficit and thus have less energy to freely spend on things like pushing hard in your training. Now, lifting challenging weights is the primary signal to your body that adding muscle is important. So remember what we talked about earlier, like earlier, your body needs to be hit with that stimulus, that stress in order to adapt and grow. So if training performance is suffering because you're under eating and dieting, which is very common, building muscle while losing fat is much less likely. Next, calories are your body's primary recovery resource. Again, building muscle is more than just training hard. To actually grow new lean muscle tissue from what you've been doing in the gym, your body needs to be able to fully recover from all the fatigue you generated in a session. Now, one of the primary recovery resources, or excuse me, one of the primary resources your body uses to help recover is food, especially the carbs and protein that you're eating. The trap that many people fall into is constantly training hard, but not providing their body enough of the recovery resources slash food and sleep needed to actually adapt and build new muscle. Thus, you're stuck in this place where your body can just barely recover back to its previous baseline before you train a muscle again, AKA you're always training hard, but never actually building muscle. So your body is always kind of stuck in the same place. And finally, your body's more likely to use protein as a fuel source when you're under eating. So when plenty of energy, AKA calories are available, your body prefers to use carbs and fat as its fuel sources as the process of converting protein to a usable energy source for your body is very inefficient. That said, when dieting and short on available energy, your body just doesn't have enough energy coming in in the form of carbs and fat to fuel itself. So it can potentially start breaking down more muscle protein as a fuel source. Now, again, it's pretty obvious why this is suboptimal for building muscle and is why we push so many clients into a building phase. So in a building phase, our online clients are focused on properly fueling their bodies to be able to train hard, fully recover and maximize lean muscle growth. The final key, key number six to building muscle for women is restoring hormonal health. Now, if you've been dieting for a long period of time, as most of our new online clients have before they start coaching with us, the reality is your hormones are not going to be in an optimal place for muscle growth. See, it can take up to six months post-diet for your hormones to return to their normal healthy levels. So when your hormones are downregulated, it doesn't make sense for your body to prioritize muscle growth. You're sending your body the signal that the amount of energy, aka calories it needs for optimal health isn't available. So when your body is in this place of scarcity, it doesn't want to do energy expensive things like reproduce or add costly lean muscle tissue to your frame. It simply wants to survive. Thus, things like your sex hormones and thyroid are suppressed along with your body's willingness to add new muscle. Very similar to key number five, the most common reason for hormonal downregulation is simply just not eating enough, both carbohydrates and total calories or for long enough. This is another reason constant dieting is such an obstacle to building lean muscle. You need long periods of time dedicated to giving your body all the fuel it needs, aka building phases, to restore your hormonal health and allow your body to add lean muscle. And again, this is why you often see like, as a female, you'll see someone that's been dieting for too long or that's gotten too lean. That's what, this is a big reason why many times women will lose their cycles if again, like they've dieted for an extremely long period of time and gotten extremely lean. At this point, reproducing, so for example, if you were to get pregnant, 
your body understands, hey, I don't have the resources. I don't have the calories coming in and available to be able to support that right now. So that's why we'll see things like sex hormones downregulate dramatically, um, women lose their menstrual cycles, etc. And again, like it's a much more complex process than just that. But very similarly, when it comes to adding muscle tissue, if you're in this place where it's, hey, my body is sensing that there are just not very many calories coming in at all. Adding muscle is a very energy or calorie expensive process. Thus, your body won't prioritize it if you're constantly under eating. And those are the six key components to building muscle as a woman. Now, if you've been struggling to build muscle and achieve the physique you've always wanted, despite the fact that you're always pushing hard in the gym, hit the link in the show notes to apply for coaching with our team. We'll create a fully individualized training and nutrition protocol tailored specifically to you and your goals, and be here to guide you with the support and accountability you need through every step of the transformation process. And that is all I have for y'all for today. As always, thank you for tuning in.